Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of God Built This Podcast. I'm your host, Maxine, and we're on episode 86. We have 98 days until the November election, until we find out who will be our next four-year president. Is it going to be Trump? Is it going to be Biden? Is it going to be Yeezy? Who is it going to be? Speaking of Yeezy, I was thinking lately about mental health and all of the painful, ignorant things Kanye West has said and has done as of recently and throughout the past few years. Um, I could go down a history of outlandish things that he has said and done. And I think about how mental health, sometimes a conversation leads to no accountability held. You know, we just say, well, this person is delusional. This person hasn't been taking meds. Therefore, excuse them for their actions. Excuse what they have said and what they have done consistently, persistently. And this just brings up the conversation of, can we still hold those who are struggling with their mental health? Can we still hold them accountable? And mental health is the umbrella, right? There's a lot that goes under that umbrella. There's anxiety. That's a mental health condition. There's narcissism, right? Oh, he's just being a narcissist. Can we just go ahead and excuse him for his actions? You know, there's sociopath, there's psychopath, there's bipolar disorder, there's schizo. There are so many things that fall under mental health. So that begs the question, can we still hold those who are struggling with their mental health accountable? And I still say yes. I still say yes because I think at the at some point in time, um, no matter how small or big the mental health illness is in someone's life, we have all dealt with mental health issues. Um, the next person may not be a schizo, but the next person may be struggling with depression. That's mental health. The next person may be struggling with their anxiety. That's mental health. And so when we give more passes to those who have bigger mental health conditions than those who don't, it's it, it becomes a slippery slope. And I think about all of the things that Kanye West has said and done. And let's just go down the history, okay? We, we remember after Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans that... New Orleans was struggling to recover and it felt like, and it seemed as if there was not enough recovery efforts. Um, there was not enough help done by the president. And at that time it was president Bush, president George Bush. And there was a live stream. Um, what was it? It was like a live stream call in service to raise money to aid all of those who are suffering, all of those who are affected, just pretty much everybody in New Orleans. And during that stream, Kanye West said, straight into the camera, straight face, no lie, no joke. I'm not kidding around. He says specifically, George Bush doesn't care about black people. 
And that was controversial. That was like, whoa, a, a pin drop, right? Um, it felt like the table was shook. And it was controversial, but a lot of people agreed with him. The Black community agreed with him because that's what it seemed like. That's what it felt like. That's what it was at that point. I'm not a native of New Orleans. I don't have family in New Orleans. So I don't know firsthand or secondhand, at least, of what exactly happened. But according to media, according to what I've seen and what I've heard about the efforts or lack thereof done to New Orleans in regards of recovery, it hasn't been much. It wasn't much during that time. And it took a long time. It was a delayed effort. So when Kanye West said, George Bush doesn't care about Black people, that felt true. It rang true to so many Americans. It rang true to so many um, people who lived in New Orleans. So it was acceptable. We didn't. And during that time, I can't remember when Hurricane Katrina, let me look that up real quick. When did Hurricane Katrina come in? But the conversation of mental health was never, it was never um, discussed. <laughs> like I never, the, it just didn't, it wasn't a conversation. 2005 was when it happened. So 2005, I'm, I was 14. I didn't hear a conversation around bipolar disorder. I didn't hear a conversation about anxiety. And to hear more of that conversation now is great, right? But back then it would have been so much better. <laughs> it would have been helpful then to know how to best manage our mental health. So when Kanye West said what he said, it felt like, oh, well, he's just fed up. He's just fed up. He wants to speak up and speak on behalf of his fellow New Orleans folks. So we saw him as a hero. Wow, he's so brave for speaking up like that, for speaking on television with so much bravado, so much confidence. Okay, to speak against the president, the sitting president, that was a big deal in 2005. And because so many people felt the same way, we saw him as this hero. We saw him as this brave person to do what he did. And we revered him for that. We were proud of him for that. Like, yes, we, we need more people like you to speak up. So we saw that as a great thing that he did. It was honorable. Now let's move on to when Kanye West interrupted Taylor Swift during the MTV Awards. He interrupted her after she won the video award for best video. And within the lineup was Beyonce's video of single ladies. Now we all know if you haven't realized at all, just the start of this episode of every episode is Beyonce's countdown of my episode. Every time I start an episode, you hear that. And it just, you know, it kind of brings up, it just brings the Beyonce spirit into the house. Okay. So I'm a stan, needless to say. And no countdown. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Please beehive. Don't don't hit me. Um Honey, honey, ba, 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 da, ba. love on top, love on top. Okay, look, it's all in the same album. It's, 
<laughs> I'm trying to focus. So anyway, he interrupted Taylor Swift and said, I'm going to let you finish, but Beyonce has one of the best videos of all time. Now, has a stand? Yes, she does. And yes, she has. And yes, she hasn't been getting enough awards. Yes, she has so many, but in those specific uh, lineups, it seemed like Taylor Swift was getting, and not even just it seemed like, Taylor Swift was just sweeping the awards, okay? So when Kanye said what he said, I was like, yes, he's speaking on behalf of me, on behalf of so many fans of Beyonce who were upset, who were tight that she didn't win that award. So we're sitting back like, finally, someone's speaking up and calling the shit for what it is, calling out the bullshit. And many people felt the same way. They were impressed that he spoke up. Yes, it was embarrassing to Taylor Swift. And yes, Beyonce is such a kind and pure spirit that she felt bad for Taylor Swift and gave her her moment back when Beyonce actually won a later award and she invited Taylor Swift up. And that's just, it speaks to the character of Beyonce. Oh, she's so amazing. But the point is Kanye West still did something that was controversial. He spoke out when he wasn't supposed to. He spoke, you know, when he wasn't told to speak and he interrupted, he just kind of messed up the course of things. He shook the table. Yet this time and the time previous with the whole George Bush thing, George Bush doesn't care about black people. That was, those were times when many people, many black people agreed. So the conversation around whether this was uh, an episode of bipolar, whether this was a mental health cry out crisis, that was never even a thought to have. So that's a trend because when you don't necessarily disagree and when you strongly agree with someone, with a Kanye West who is speaking out and speaking up and you have the same sentiments as him and it's not like out of turn, right? It sounds pretty reasonable enough, but the way that he goes about it we overlook it because, yeah, George Bush didn't care about black people, it seems. And yeah, Beyonce should have won that award, period. She should have. But we did not even fathom to think that, hmm, is Kanye West all right? Why would he just go ahead and do that? Now we go into more recent events. When he said during his TMZ interview, as he was walking away, I believe, um, but it was during TMZ and he said slavery was a choice. And we're now hit with, hold up, nigga, are you okay? Why suddenly this man who seems to be for black people at one point, who would sing it or uh, rap it in his songs, you know, when he would rap, you know, uh, leave your ass for a white girl. He spoke to the issues of how many times black men who make it in the entertainment industry, 
they suddenly forget that black baby mama that they have, that black girlfriend that they have, and they discard them and they revere and worship and only want and suddenly and is only attracted to white or non-black women, particularly light skin, curly hair, textured women. So when he spoke about that in this that song, it felt like, dang, yeah, Kanye gets it. Like he's for the people. And when Kanye said George Bush doesn't care about black people, we felt, yeah, he's for the people. When Kanye spoke out about Taylor Swift shouldn't have gotten the award, we felt like, yeah, he's for the people. Yeah, like he was speaking out against white people in a moment when a black person or black people should have gotten either the attention and the respect and the effort that they needed. So now when he's saying slavery was a choice, we're confused. We feel betrayed. We feel just lost. How could this man who was so down for the people is now saying the trauma inflicted on us was a choice of ours? The trauma that we dealt with for 400 odd years, we put that on ourselves. And it disregards the efforts made to abolish slavery, the efforts made to run away from our masters, okay? Um, and ever since Trump being in office, seeing Kanye West wearing the MAGA hat, saying his outward praise and adoration for this man who is clearly racist for this man who has clearly shown racist tendencies at least let's say that at least and who is not articulate who does not care for the likeness of all of america instead he seems to only focus on a particular type of american particularly the white american the white american who may have felt ignored at one point. So the rednecks, the the ones in the Midwest, the ones who had their own small business but didn't get enough small business loans or something. And so when we see Kanye West saying Donald Trump is a genius, Donald Trump is uh, a father figure to him. Damn. Like your dad must have been a fucked up ass nigga that you feel that Donald Trump is a father figure for you. Kanye West speaks out on just the the um the confidence that Donald Trump shows he has, I guess, or it's really hidden insecurity that he puts on a facade is confidence. But he he comes across like this man's the genius, you know, he, he created his life and he, he's done all these entrepreneurial pursuits and has been successful and look at him now, he's a president. And for a while now, we have heard Kanye West saying things like how, how much he reveres Walt Disney and many other, um, well, Steve Jobs and many other white men in particular. So now we see a switch, we see a shift, okay? We see this Kanye West who was so down for the people is now yearning for the respect and looking to follow the same steps of 
these white men and he's idolizing them as if they are these, these gods to him. So when he speaks about Steve Jobs, when he speaks about Walt Disney and Donald Trump, he does it with so much of a reverence that he see, like it's like he's worshiping these people. And now he's forgetting about the black plight. Um, he's forgetting about the black plight in America. And we see now and we hear now, you know, I talked about it in the last episode, how he said Harriet Tubman didn't free the slaves. And during that campaign rally, he spoke disrespectfully to a black, particularly a dark skinned black woman. Um, and, and there was a white woman at the campaign who he was clapping and hugged. And so there's a shift clearly there's there's an agenda it seems like it seems like he's just he's lost there's something going on that's different and there it comes back to the question of okay is this more of an episode of bipolar disorder that's just in our face that we cannot ignore or is this is truly how he feels you know the, is the symptoms are the symptoms of bi bipolar disorder being uh, a misogynist, uh, being sexist, being narcissistic? Are are those also symptoms of bipolar? Because please let me know. I feel like every nigga is like that. <laughs> so unless every nigga I've spoken to and fucked is bipolar, then I don't know what to tell you they all got this mental disease. So at one point, when can we still hold them accountable? Yes, I still feel like compassion could be held, right? He's dealing with some mental battles that we don't know. We could always, like all of us are assuming, right? We, we are just speculating. We're going off of what we see. We're not doctors, and there there has there have been many doctors speaking out on this matter and saying he is going through an episode and he does have bipolar, and this is clearly signs of that. He's going through a manic bipolar disorder, or those were examples of manic bipolar disorder. Yet, I know I talked about previously, where are his people? Where are his loved ones, the ones who will hold him accountable, the ones who will stop him from even running in this campaign. You know, where are they? He's 42 years old, y'all. Like I had to tell myself that and realize he's a grown ass man. And not only is he a grown ass man, he's rich. Okay. He has money. He has employees more than he has friends. So imagine being an employee, being someone who is dependent on this man who is batshit crazy and possibly losing, most likely losing your job, losing your source of income. If you were to speak up and say, hey, Kanye, I think maybe you should go seek help. Hey, I don't really agree with what you're saying. You, your job is done. The, the support that you now have for your family is suddenly vanished. So we have to look at everything holistically now. We have to see all the people around him are depending on him. They need him, they need his money, 
They need all of that to survive. So they won't be the ones to hold them accountable. And yes, recently I heard that Dave Chappelle flew to see Kanye. We don't know what exactly happened. There was a picture that he posted and they're smiling, laughing. And apparently Kanye said something about, hey, Dave, tell me a joke. Um, so I don't know how fucking serious these niggas are. Like, and then I'm hearing also that people will ask him if he's good. He's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. But how much can you trust a word from someone who is not managing his mental illness? So at this point, what the fuck can you do? At this point, one, I hope that everyone who is following him and who is made aware of his his rants, his latest attempts to convince us that abortion is wrong and I'll give you a million dollars if you don't abort your child. I just hope that we all could think for ourselves. I hope that his name is not on the ballot. I hope that this doesn't split the votes with Biden. Yet, I don't know. I don't fucking know. And I'm not here to be a Debbie Downer, but I just feel like it's Kanye West won't stop. And yes, we've heard that Kim has tried to bring him to a doctor. And I just want to know how long, at what point does bipolar show up? You know, does it show up? Uh, at a particular age and then on, did Kanye always have this disorder? Was it showing then when he said George Bush, George Bush doesn't care about black people? Was it showing then when he said, I'm going to let you finish, but Beyonce has the best, one of the best videos of all time? Was, was a bipolar there? Or did the bipolar just came out now? Like, at what point do you get bipolar? Were you born with it? Does it happen immediately after a traumatic event? I don't know. And I wish that we had more conversations around that, particularly how does bipolar manifest itself into that person's life? I don't know. But at the same time, I still want us to hold him accountable, hold what he says accountable. And yes, you're talking to someone who is mentally deranged. So it just... How productive of a conversation can you have with him? He's clearly off his meds. And how much can you converse with a fool? You you argue with the fool, you're the fool. You know, you it's hard to 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 distinguish which one is the fool here cuz you decided to get into an argument with a fool. So how foolish are you? So yes, we live in an entertainment world where we we put on a pedestal these celebrities, but I wish that people would not give him the attention that he is seeking and he is thriving off of. He's getting off of this. There shouldn't have never been a door open for him to even have a campaign rally in South Carolina. People shouldn't even be trying to open doors to, for him to have interviews with them. We should not be entertaining this. We should not, yet we are, and now we are trying to psychoanalyze him, and if we just ignored him, right, it wouldn't be this bad. That's how I'm feeling.
if we just ignored him, it just wouldn't be this bad. But I still feel like at the end of the day, I'm going to say it again, accountability, accountability is a must. And we should still not ignore the painful things that he says. And we should not just excuse it. Like, oh, well, it's just bipolar. But I don't think a symptom of bipolar disorder is being a narcissist or being someone who thinks slavery is a choice. Or I don't know. Like, I don't think that's something we should just okay, uh we should not either not give it attention or hold them, hold them accountable either or. Okay. Let's move on from Connie. I'm really tired of talking about him. I came across this story about hashtag free grace, hashtag free grace. She is a black teenager, a black female teenager who was in prison for not doing her online homework since March. Okay. Now she apparently she's from Michigan and the judge denied the release of her still. So she's been in juvenile detention for um, a few months now since March. Here's the thing. (laughs) Y'all know I'm an educator And I think online, you know, on social media, we just, we go with any bandwagon like, oh, oh my gosh, another black, black, um, unarmed teenager was wrongfully admitted into fucking prison. Let's free this nigga, free C murder, free X, Y, and Z. And it's like, okay, but let me first read the story. Right. Let me get further details. Right. Let me just give a disclaimer. I'm not for killing of any unarmed person, um, black people. And I do recognize that it is disproportionate. So that's not where I'm coming from. I think when we hear like a, a buzz, a buzzword, like, oh, my gosh, she got in prison just because she didn't do her homework what? Um, it, it doesn't make sense. So if it doesn't make sense, do your research, read more about the case. So I'm reading more about it. And I just want to read something real quick that gives us some more context to this, to this, uh, to this case. Okay. So the judge did not choose to free her because they see that at this juvenile detention center, she is completing a particular program, a particular educational program. And in this program, it is a month long session that she has to complete. And according to the reports from her program, she has made progress and she has been engaged in the program. So what is being said that, why would I release her earlier from this program when she's doing the work, when she is making progress, when she is excelling at least in this environment? And yes, it is sad that we even have juvenile centers. It is sad that we even have prisons. It's sad that we even have spaces where we had to separate 
a child from her mother. I get that. But we live in a world where that's needed. We live in a society where there will always be good and there will always be bad. It's a yin and a yang. Where there's sun, there will be the moon. Where there's moon, there will be the sun. It comes together. Okay, so I am not technically for abolishing prisons. Um, I I don't know. Maybe we could reform, not maybe, we should reform it. We should create spaces where, I don't want it to be a resort style, of course, but there's actual some rehabilitation in the centers. There's actual support made, mental health support, educational support given to prisoners of all ages. That's where I stand. But I do think I, I just don't see a world unless we're in heaven and heaven's not going to be on earth. As it is in heaven, it's not going to be down here. I'm, I'm telling y'all it's not. Okay. So just in heaven, heaven, I think is the only place where we may not, I don't think we'll need a prison in heaven, right? I, I will hope God got it <laughs> more under control maybe, but here on earth, I need a fucking prison. Okay. I need some of these niggas locked up. I need Seymour to stay in jail because he killed three people. Period. So I don't like the bandwagon of things where we just jump on board. Now let's get into just the, the reason why she got in prison. Okay. So we know off top, just from the headline, she got in prison because she didn't do her homework, but understand this. She was violating her probation. So I'm going to just read this specifically. A Michigan family court judge on Monday denied a motion to release a teenager who has been held at a juvenile facility since mid-May for violating probation after not doing her online schoolwork, saying the girl will benefit from ongoing treatment there. Okay. So she was already on probation. She has clearly already um, done some activity, done something for her to even be on probation. So let's understand that. Um, I can't find exactly where she, um, what she has done previous to being on probation, but let's just come with the understanding that she has done something for her to even be on probation period. Okay. So now she's in a space where she has no distraction at least not enough so where she's not free to go wherever she please. There is order. There is discipline. Hopefully it's fair discipline. But let's just say there's order and discipline that's inputted enough in everyday activities so that she has no choice but to focus on this treatment. She has no choice but to complete whatever assignment they have assigned for her. All right. So I'm gonna read this next part. The decision came despite an argument from the attorneys of the te of the teenager Grace, and that's a uh, a fake name. We're not using her real name, so that's just the name we're going off of. That the therapy and educational support she receives at the facility are inadequate, and a statement by the prosecutor that his office supported her release. So the argument argument is she is not receiving enough support there. Who knows? You could also understand that lawyers are typically liars. They just want to win the case. They just want to win it for their client who wants 
their child home. And I understand you're missing your child. You want your child back home. I got it. But understand your child was on probation for a reason. Your child has done a number of activities that were criminal, right? That were disrespectful, that led her to where she is now. So this last part I'm going to read, caseworkers for the court and children's village, which is where she is being held, which is a juvenile center, testified she should be kept at the facility until she completes the month's long program. So now she has until the end of the month to possibly get released because they are saying this is the best option for this child, for her to wait until she is done with this program, until she is completed this program, because clearly she has shown progression, she has shown engagement, and she has been more engaged than she has outside of this center. So I'm from the standpoint of keep her ass in jail. And oh my gosh, Mama, how can you say that you're a teacher? You should be for the student. I also am a realist. There's a lot of students out here, especially in my experience, who are not focused at home. Can we just can we talk? Your kid ain't doing the work. And when I call your ass talking about, hi, so-and-so hasn't completed their assignment, that is why they're failing my class. I'm met with a, oh, well, what can we do to, to, to change the grade? Well, your child could do the work, huh? Your, your child could attend my tutorial sessions. Your child could actually participate in class, you know, ask questions if he or she needs help. Your child could be present and not take so many days off. Your child could be there. I don't care. <laughs> Let me say that again. Like I care, but I also I also don't. Like cuz I feel like we like to give excuses and we don't have tough love anymore in this society. And we're so quick to baby and coddle our students. And yes, we should have um, compassion. We should have understanding. We should have love. And I have all that from my students and I show that. And I still hold them asses motherfucking accountable, okay? And I say, you fell short on this assignment. What can we do about it? I need you to attend my tutorials every Wednesday, okay? I need you to be present. I need you to come to class. I need you to come to class on time. I need you to be awake throughout class. So we need to really talk about your student is not doing what he or she's supposed to be doing. That's that's what it is. It's not like we're just saying, we're not just like pulling shit out of our asses. No, we're going off of data. We're going off of what is actually being done in the classroom. We're going off of what teachers are saying. And yes, don't get me wrong. There are teachers out there who aren't good teachers, who are fucking these students, right? Or, and that's not funny, but there there are students who are not caring for the holistic of the child and who are playing um, preferential treatment. I get that. They are there. 
great. We recognize that. That needs to be highlighted more. But I'm speaking on, on the perspective of a teacher who is doing what she's supposed to be doing, who is holding students accountable, who is still holding to high expectation. And not just that, I support you in completing those expectations. There's no way about it because I, I give you support this way, I accommodate this way, I provide you with a graphic organizer, I give you study halls, I may even give you a little extra time. Okay, you, my fellow teachers know, how many times are we giving our students extra time on an assignment? How many times do we um, give them opportunities to retake the assignment, to resubmit it? That shit happens. And if you're in a particular district, sometimes you still got to pass that kid and figure out ways to kind of adjust this grade because shit, we just want to look good. Okay, but in the meantime, what I can still do is still hold you accountable, still make sure you understand these objectives, that you could meet these objectives. So I say all that to say, when I was reading this case, I think what we're so focused on and what social media has been so focused on is, oh my God, just 14 year old has been jailed for not doing her homework. And we just look at that little part and we don't see it big picture. We don't see that many times the home is the problem. The home may be completely overcrowded. She may be home and she doesn't have internet access. She may be home and she's distracted because she has to care for her five siblings. She may be home because her predator stepdaddy is trying to touch her. Like there's so many reasons why she may be distracted at home and that re resulted into her not completing her online homework. So if we could take her out of this space and bring her to a juvenile center, it's called Children's Village. I mean, maybe it's a really nice place. <laughs> I sound like a Republican. <laughs> maybe it's a really nice place. You know, they say it takes a village to raise a child. It's just a fucking village with chains, but it's a village nonetheless. I just feel like we need to stop. We need to stop going off of just a few words in a tag and actually actually read what's going on. Um, I don't know about her home life. I could just make that assumption. It's not telling us any more about her home life here in this article. But what is said is that, excuse me, what is said that she is making progress. She is showing engagement. So she has been doing well. So why am I going to take her out of this environment where she is doing well in just because she's missing her mom? Fuck her mom. Her mom will be there after she finishes month program. I mean, God willing, you know, I know with COVID and everything, you never know who, you know, whose last day it is. But the point is, I think we need to still incorporate tough love to people in general and particularly kids. Show tough love and show them that you will not tolerate you not doing your work. And this is this is one of the reasons that could violate your probation. And I'm sure this was told to her. You know what I mean? So, and I'm not saying that, um, yeah, because I said earlier, she could have had very 
distracting reasons as to why she wasn't focused. And don't get me wrong, she could also just have been goofing off. Maybe her home environment is completely safe and sound and maybe she's home often alone or she has her space and she still decided not to do her work. Then that's still fucked up. But let's just say the extreme, Let's not even the extreme, but let's just say it's not that. Let's just say her home life is completely distracting and she's unable to do it at home. Okay, so, hey, you were notified in the beginning that this is a violation of your probation. She probably didn't, maybe she didn't take it seriously enough, or maybe she's in an environment where she can't take it seriously enough because she can't focus at home. And maybe that could have been communicated better. Whatever the case is, I don't feel like we need to always hop on a bandwagon just because of a few little words. Read the fucking case. Talk to fellow teachers because I'll tell you one thing. These motherfuckers don't be doing shit. <laughs> and in my experience, and not just because they just want to be rebellious and they just want to goof off. No, there's a few students, there's a few students who are like that. They just want to goof off. That's one thing. But there are plenty of students in my experience who can't focus at home, who don't have internet access or their internet access is shaky who have to um, take care of home or who has to work. Even during this pandemic, I've had students who had to work and whatever job that they're working, that took up time from them completing their assignments. So that's the thing. So if I have to take you out and you're already on probation, so you already were doing things that were um, bad, that were criminal-like, if I had to take you out of this environment in order for you to succeed in life, then so be it. And I think that's perfectly fine. We need to let people go through a quote unquote hard time so they could be successful in the long run. Because, you know, I think a lot of times we look at homework like, oh, it's not a big deal. And I think the, the bigger picture is it's about doing what you're supposed to do to get to the next step, okay? You, you you move on to a job, you move on to college. There will be assignments assigned to you. There will be tasks assigned to you for you to complete that may not be so exciting, that may be boring as fuck, or you may have to work with a group of people whom you may not like entirely or who may not just be your best friends, but you still have to create that stamina. stamina. You may still have to just create that 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 um that hard work ethic in order to succeed in life. So that's really that's the bigger picture here. So it's not just about oh just homework, it's just homework. Kids shouldn't even have homework. It's not that. It's a, it's the bigger picture here. Keep her ass in jail. That's all that's all I'm saying. Fuck. And that brings me to another case that I learned about that someone reposted online. Um what was it? So uh, someone, okay. So the repost was this 14 year old black girl, um, got 11 years in prison because of a mental outburst. And I'm like, huh? What are you talking about? Like, that sounds crazy. And the picture that they showed of this girl, she looks so innocent and just pure and humble and all these like good traits. Right. So, I look up the story. Her name is Soraya Reese. And she was arrested. Let's, and this is like, 
the biggest aha moment for y'all motherfuckers to stop reposting shit that you really don't know about until you know about it. Like, stop being on a bandwagon just because it looks good. It's it's good for the optics, but really know know who you're saying should be released. So Soraya Reese, who is 14 years old, was arrested on counts of attempted murder and arson last year. Can we just, that's the first sentence, y'all. That is the first sentence. However, her family is adamant that she did nothing wrong. So I move on. It's a short read. I'm just quickly go over this. Soraya was in psychosis. She checked out. She was there, but there she was there, but not there, but nobody was there. Okay. The point is, so apparently she allegedly, let me say that Reese said her daughter poured a small amount of gasoline in front of her parents' bedroom door. She says she believes it had to do with her withdrawal, her withdrawal of antidepressants. So because she wasn't on her meds, she reacted in a way that was, uh, you know, borderline uh, crazy, right? She was almost about to kill her parents. And uh, thankfully, her parents weren't home. But at that point, um, the what happened next? So there was, so the parent called a crisis counselor to help. Yet the police actually showed up instead. So that's something that, hmm that shouldn't have happened and we should have more privacy and security around having actual mental health workers to come out in episodes like this. Um, but the point is because of her mental illness, she did these things. She almost killed her parents. She almost blew down the house. And um, I think we don't, as much as we should have compassion for those who are struggling with mental health, we should still hold them accountable. I don't want to feel afraid knowing that my next door neighbor is struggling with their mental illness and we're not holding all the precautions necessary to make sure that this person doesn't suddenly gas your house up. So she was eventually pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 11 years in the Oregon Youth Authority. Um, and she'll be released or at least be eligible for parole on her 25th birthday. All of this is sad. All of this is disturbing. I wish this wasn't even a situation. Yet we still live in a world where we will have mental people, those who are struggling with their mental health, running around not taking their meds. And the question is, how, why was she even, why was she even taken off of her meds? Why was she even given that? Okay. Why was she given that green light? Um, why was that even okay? So it goes back to that. But the point is, I don't think 11 years is the best option. No, but I think she should be held down until she is put in a treatment plan where she is pushing meds into her body so she won't have to do that. But it's scary. It's scary because who's to say if you take your meds consistently or say if you take it like five days and you don't take it the, 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 the next two days, who's to say something like that won't happen again? You know, it's just really scary in the world that we live in with 
those who are struggling with their mental health because we don't know exactly what triggers them, what is an episode exactly. So yes, we do need more awareness around mental health and we do need more conversations around it. And we need protection. We all need protection. So for everyone else who is not suffering from a mental illness, I want to feel secure in knowing that this person is well taken care of. Not necessarily meaning that this person needs to go to jail for 11 years, but I'm not going to be out here saying free this person when this person almost tried to kill her parents. That's like, come on, y'all. I think it's like, we just get in this whole, I want to be woke. I want to be seen as a, you know, a, a Trump hating Democrat. And I am all the way for Black Lives Matter. I just want to be all of these things. And it's like, but before we agree with everything that falls in alignment with that, I think it's best for us to know what's going on. Read the article, read the case before you go ahead and say, free this person. This person almost tried to kill their parents. And yes, there was a mental illness that explained this, that probably was the the base for this. But at the end of the day, it's still, God forbid, she actually lit up the house. God forbid her parents were actually home. Her parents would have been dead. So now what? We just say, oh, well, you know, she was going through the... It's hard. It's hard for us to still be compassionate and not hold people accountable. I still think we need to. I still think we need to. I still think we need to have more spaces around holding motherfuckers accountable, period. And it's unfair that those who are like myself, it's unfair that we may be villainized because we're saying... Right, because optically it's looking like you would you would want you will push for a teenager, a, a barely budding teenager to be in prison. Yes, motherfucker, if they're trying to kill me, if they're um on the wrong track of life and have no way out, they need to go somewhere where they could get their shit together. Sometimes prison is the best thing for you. <laughs> In a if in a moment in time, and I'm saying this with love. I really am saying this with love because I know, yes, we have so many cases where prison has been the worst thing ever for said person. I get that. I'm speaking from the person who has a fucked up home environment. I'm speaking from the person who can't function at home, who every time they get home, they get molested. And Every time they get home, they have to deal with this and that. And so they act out. They act out and them acting out in rebellious ways has brought them into back and forth from the juvenile center and leading into prison life. There's a bigger picture here. We need to look at the home life and then we still need to hold the people accountable for what they did. So it goes... It's a big, everything is a bigger picture here. What is going on in Grace's home? If you go back to her, what is going on in her home that she's not completing her homework? Was there a social worker called to check in on home? Or maybe there should have been like, uh, Grace gets sent, not sentenced, but like Grace is mandated to 
attend this center from eight to two every Saturday and Sunday for her to complete her homework. Maybe like that could have been an option. The point is, I think sometimes when we do decide to put our adolescents in a juvenile center, it is a better environment for them than their home because their home may be that fucked up that a juvenile center is the best shit for them. They may not, they may not even be getting fed at home. Who knows what the parents are going through? Who knows if there's a parent in the household? Who knows if there's money flowing in the household? There's not enough food in the house. Like all of these things are real life situations. We don't know what's happening. And a juvenile center may be the only place where they are guaranteed three meals a day, where they're guaranteed uh, a separate space, their own space. They may share that that little uh, cell-like block with a, a you know one person, but the point is they have space, they have food, they have water. Um, and let's assume that Children's Village is well kept. Let's assume that it is well managed and well maintained. And I hope that it is. And I hope that this treatment plan, um, that this treatment plan, that this educational plan is actually adequate, that it's well-supported, and that she is actually showing engagement. So let's all hope that all of that rings true. I say it's better for her to stay and complete the program. And they should be there should be checks, regular checks in her home life so that we understand why she wasn't completing her homework at home so that we could provide better options for her so she won't have to keep on going back and forth to juvenile centers. Look, I know this is not the common things to say, and I know you should be quick to say, free this kid and free this and that, but we need to talk about why motherfuckers were even in there in the first place. That's what we need to talk about. Can we talk about Drea for a second? Um, <laughs> again, what I'm going to say sounds a little crazy. <laughs> but let's look at what she's actually saying. I think it's also, I'm going to play the clip in a moment, but I'm going to set it up. So Drea was on a podcast recently and she was speaking out about the the shooting that happened between Megan the Stallion and Tory Lanez and how Megan was shot in her toe and um allegedly this was done by Tory Lanez. So now Jaya is speaking about that and she has been just dragged throughout social media land. She's later uh sent uh she released a, an apology that was really ha- heartfelt like i know someone else wrote that because she ain't that smart but um let's go ahead and let's let's go ahead and listen to this clip and understand why <laughs> what she said was kind of crazy <laughs> here we go Bobby and Whitney love that, you know, drove them down this snapped-esque mm. type of road. And I'm here for it. I like that. I want you to like me so much you shoot me in the foot, too. Like, but it's one What the That is very dry life. Drop your name. What the? You want you what? I want you to like me so much that if I'm trying to get off the car and you're like, no, sit your fucking ass she in the beats. car. And she I'm like, beats. no, nigga. 
I'm fucking getting out the car. No, you're not. Stop. I'll take it. <laughs> I predict that. Okay. So let's get into. <laughs> So I am just going to quickly summarize that Drea is for abuse, a little, a little abuse ain't going to hurt nobody, right? Look, I know this is not politically correct. I know we shouldn't, women shouldn't say these things, but <laughs> here's where I think she was going with this and what I think she really meant. Like, I don't think, no one's asking to really get shot, Right. But let's, let's talk about how, if we talk about sex, if we talk about sexual acts and behaviors and some of the fetishes that some people like, some people like to be choked. Some people like to be roughed up. Some people like to be hit. Some people like to be uh, called degrading names, bitches, ho, dumbass bitch. Like some people like that shit. And I mean, that's abusive, right? If we want to just talk about just the definition of abuse, that's abusive. But that is done in a space where there is consent had, or there's just, there's this understanding that, you know, I don't really mean this. I'm just doing this to get you off. Some people get off of that. And that's, that's what I'm, that's what I think she's saying here. And I also, I always talk about passion. There's a lot of passion that, a lot of us, I know for me, I like passion in my relationships, in my romantic relationships. I feel like a relationship, a romantic relationship without passion isn't one that's worth my time. If I feel like you're like, we just got, we just work together, you know, we just, yeah, we're compatible and he's consistent and, uh, you know, he's just, he's always there to count on. That's great. You don't want that in a partner. But passion is also about, I want to kiss you and feel like the world is turning. I want to feel like I'm in a whirlwind. I, and I want to argue with you and, and feel so in flux in my emotions that I, I don't want you to want me to leave. I don't want you to, to let me go. And if it requires for you to yank my arm so I won't leave, so I know that you love me so much and you will do anything for me, that's the shit I like. <laughs> and a lot of people are saying this is this is a toxic way to live, right? You don't want to live like that. You don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to have any type of relationship where you may potentially get shot. And I get that. But let's talk about Whitney and Bobby, though. Because, yes, they did drugs together. Yes, he hit a couple of times. Yes, he spit on her face. But if we, if we move forward from that, they had this passion, y'all. Like, they had this passion that felt so deep. Like, they would do anything for each other. Maybe the whole anything is where we get into murky waters. Like, do you want someone to just do anything for you? Does that mean kill for you? Some people like that. <laughs> I mean, that's not, I wouldn't recommend that. I don't, I don't condone that either. But 
I think where Drea is talking from is talking from a place of this desire, this intense desire, this passion for you, this, this lust that I, I need from my partner. I need to feel like you love the shit out of me. And if we always speak reasonable, if we always speak like a robot, like fucking adults, right? <laughs> if we never let our emotions get the best of us, do you really love me? Like, if you're not choking me, do you really love me? If you're not holding me up against the wall after an argument, do you really love me? Like, <laughs> if I didn't slap you in the face or like, you know, shove you a little bit, did I really love you? Or did I really feel for you? Did I really feel like this is my dude? This is my nigga? Did you really feel like this is my woman? This is my bitch? This is her? Do Did you? And I think passion, and maybe it's fucked up. Maybe I have a, a warped understanding of it. Maybe I do. But I think a relationship without passion is boring as fuck. And maybe passion doesn't have to look like you shooting me in my foot, obviously. But passion looks like to me you holding, you covering the door because I'm about to walk out and you don't want me to leave right? Um, passion looks like you crying or like your face, your eyes are getting watery because our argument is so intense and you feel like it might be the end of us. That's what passion looks like to me. And if I don't see that, if I don't get that energy from you, like if not, if you see me walking down the aisle about to marry you and you just standing there all respectful and, and poised, I'm walking out. Like, I want that passion. I want you to be crying. I want to see and feel you. And that's what it is. Like, I want to feel that love. I think that's what Drea is saying. And yes, if it's poorly managed, it comes out in a way where <laughs> physical violence is happening and shooting could happen if you if you have access to a gun, if you're holding a gun. But I think the point is passion is needed. And I think passion is the things that keep people together for most part, at least for women. I think oftentimes, and I said this before, when women cheat on the relationship, that's the nigga's fault. You're doing something wrong. You're not giving me that passion that I need. You're not giving me that, that lust that I need in the relationship. There is something missing for you to keep me engaged. And maybe that's why I'm still single, but I don't know. <laughs> but I think there's, there's um, like a lot of people are boring and um, some people are just too reasonable or they just lack excitement. That's what it is. I just need to be excited. <laughs> I'm about to end this episode. <laughs> I just need to be excited when I'm with you. I want to feel like this argument could be the last one. I want to feel like, fuck, you really did. You really did this. This is it. I'm done. I'm done. I mean, at the end of the day, that's really toxic if you think about it. And I, I've been in situations where it's been passionate, where it showed itself, where um, he would yell and... I would cry or maybe too much of that. I think it's it's all about balance. If you do too much of something, it becomes poorly balanced. So I get that. 
Um, but I think when we look, like I said, the big picture, that's just the theme of this episode. This is the big picture here. The bigger picture is if you have a romantic relationship without passion, are you really happy? Are you really going to stay there? Are you really going to be faithful? And it definitely goes both ways. I think men need that too. But women particularly, I know women needs that. Women need that. And I know for myself, I need that passion. And it doesn't have to manifest itself in shooting me in my foot. I, like, I don't necessarily need, not necessarily, that sounds so bad. But I wouldn't want, nor do I need physical violence. Definitely not. And I don't condone that. But there's different ways that passion could be shown that makes me feel good. That makes me feel secure. That makes me feel like, yo, he really likes me. Like <laughs> He really loves me. <laughs> Let me know if that's toxic in my thinking. I'm open to hearing other perspectives. But I know in my pre previous situations and previous romantic relationships, passion has fueled us, but clearly didn't last. So hmm, I'm thinking about that now. Can passion last? Is passion only for a lustful encounter only is passion only for is it only for the affairs that you have you cheating on your husband that's the only time it's it's, it's passionate because it's the adrenaline rush remember the movie faithful was it unfaithful with diane keaton who that movie was so good but you think about it now it was all about sex when she had the affair and her husband, she got so enthralled in just the mundane of life. Everything was just in order, routine, and you get bored after a while. And she found this guy who lit up a fire in her. And there was something passionate there that kept her in, in tune, that kept her. And I think that's oftentimes the reason why affairs happen, particularly when a woman cheats on, when a wife cheats on her husband, because the marriage lacks the passion. So the husband is not having sex enough for the wife. Um, the husband is going to sleep earlier, isn't dressed up enough, um, hasn't maintained his, his hygiene, his, his appearance. And all of that plays a part. I, physical attraction is everything and it's important. Sexual compatibility is important. That's why I'm so of the, and y'all know, I'm obviously for having sex before you get married now. <laughs> and it's like completely a, a completely turnaround when I started this, this podcast. But I see that, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with someone particularly in a marriage with someone, we're locked down, we decided to wait to have sex and then we're together and your shit don't work. Or uh, you, don't, you don't know how to fuck. Or it's so small that you haven't, you haven't learned other ways to please me because it's so small. And people say, oh, well, you have the rest of your life to, to, to work with each other and understand each other's, you know, pleasure points. Yeah, but no, because I think chemistry can never be, it can never be taught. 
chemistry is just this organic vibe situation with someone. Either you have it or you don't. I can't, I can't conjure up chemistry. I we can't work on chemistry. You know, like no, it's either there or it's not. Some people you just vibe with, and some people you don't. You know, it's either you're attracted to me or you're not. I'm not gonna make you or convince you to be attracted to me and vice versa. And so when we get into situations where we're tied down with someone and the sex is lackluster, it sucks. And it's unfair because we preach for that, right? In in the Christian community, we preach for that. And women are often not getting pleased sexually. They're not able to even recognize that this is not life. Like this is not how I'm supposed to be living. They think it's of the norm. I'm not for that. I think you should always test it out first. Test it, and I think that's a big deal. It all comes to everything matters. Are you guys in alignment? Okay. Does he make enough for you? Right? Is this a lifestyle that you want? And if it isn't, cool. And is are you guys sexually compatible? That's a big deal. I just finished talking to somebody who I briefly, briefly dated after, um, who's the last thing I talked about here? Um, the fee five fo fum guy. After him, <laughs> the 610 guy, y'all. Um, but after him, I spoke to someone else and that, 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 <coughs> that came and went. <laughs> but in that moment, when we were having sex, um, <laughs> yet again, I'm a, and I'll update y'all some more. But um, he, we, I don't think we were sexually, not I don't think, we weren't sexually compatible. Here's the thing I like about you niggas. I don't like when some guys, they have these big old dicks and they, they, like they're stroking, you know, they're doing what they're doing, but they're not getting pleased while stroking. Like, they're not moaning. I don't like a quiet guy. I'm not saying you gotta, you know, fucking sing a song, but I wanna hear your pleasure. I wanna hear that you are being pleased in this moment. And if you're so focused on this stroke, or if you're so focused on this position, it just feels like we're not getting anywhere. I'm not going to keep on fucking you an hour in. That's boring to me. Like, get to the fucking point. I'm, <laughs> I'm not that girl. As much as I say sexual compatibility, that's a part of it. That's a part of it. We can't just be having sex just to be having sex. Get the nut off and let's go. What are we doing? So he just was stroking and that's it. Like, he wasn't moaning. He wasn't close to come. You know how niggas be like, oh, I'm about to come, I'm about to come. He was never about to come. So maybe it's me. <laughs> it's never me though. Um, no, I mean, I do, I, I'm definitely self-aware, but I think also there's some guys, because I was asking, I was like, are you okay? Like, is your diet, like, what do you eat? Like, what is going on? Like, I, I came from a guy who would immediately, he'll get hard and then he'll fall off. And now to this guy who would get hard and wouldn't, he wouldn't nut. He wouldn't come at all. So that's a, that's a medical condition too. Why aren't you coming at all? Like I'm sucking, I'm fucking, 
there's nothing coming out. What is going on? What have you eaten today? Have you eaten today? There has to be something wrong that is making that a thing. So please let me know if you guys have gone through something like that and could provide some insight because that's some, I think that's a part of sexual compatibility. I don't want to be fucking you all day just for you to still not get a nut off. Like that's, I don't, I'm tired. I'm about to go to sleep. <laughs> good night and goodbye. So thank you guys for tuning in. I'm going to head out here and please be sure to leave a review, subscribe, share this podcast with a friend, a peer, a coworker, whomever. And I'll check in with you all next time. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of God Built This Podcast with your host, Maxine. Be sure to leave a review, give me five stars, and of course, subscribe. Also, follow God Built This Podcast on Instagram at God Built This Pod. God bless.